Hello again, and welcome to Faith Family Politics. I'm your host, Joshua Cummins. And today we're going to have a really big show today. Yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, Lou, it's episode 85. Wow, 85. Watch the single, right? <laughs> I'll be flabbergasted I'll be when we hit 100. <laughs> and Alan's got to bring the message on that one. I'm looking oh forward God. to it. Sure I don't come. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I know that you're already subscribed and everything. Make sure that you're uh, checking out Louis' show. He is the host of Rodriguez Rants. And we're going to probably record another episode here very soon. So we're going to keep them coming, keep them coming. So uh, make sure that you're showing him some love. But yeah, and we know that you're already subscribed, that you're already following on, on Rumble and, and YouTube and, and Facebook and even listening to us on audio for a second chance, you know, so you're, you're uh, double dipping. But we want you to also make sure that you're commenting. You know, a whole lot. Like, comment as much as you can because that helps us. And like, like all the stuff. Like, yeah, hit, hit the like button wherever it's at. And uh, make sure that you share as well because sharing is caring. Yes, we need the money and I need new underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Lou. <laughs> it's, it's a guy thing. I mean, we always ask for socks and underwear at Christmas, right? So, <laughs> uh, but today we have a... a, a a mother and daughter. Once again, we've, we've had this once before, and we're going we're to see how it works out for them. Uh, so across from uh, Louie is our good friend, the softer side of Faith and Politics, Yvonne Metcalf. Hello. No cheers? Zero cheers. Right. You missed it, Ryan. No cues there. <laughs> yeah, cheering no harm? Yeah, I guess, yeah, Louie's no harm. There we go. <laughs> now you got to cheers, Yvonne. <laughs> Why should it click on here? It wouldn't work. <laughs> he, he, he gave it a shot. He's still learning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why Sterling's a perfect producer. And so we just got to get Ryan up to that point, right? Um, but, but he's learning. He's, he's giving a shot. Semi-perfect. <laughs> yeah, he's getting there. Uh, and then our very special guest. It's a, she's the first time back since uh, her her leg finally healing up to a point where she can join us. <laughs> Because that was quite a journey, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Sarah Metcalf Allen. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Yeah, no, it's it's good uh, to be back and to be able to make those steps. Oof, I'm hurting. Hits foot on the turtle. Uh, yeah. For those of <laughs> us on audio, we, we have a we have a turtle uh, in the studio. Uh, he's made of, I think it's ceramic. Uh, anyhow, he's, he's made of something that's pretty sturdy, so we, uh, Sarah's currently using him as a footstool. He's uh, George the Turtle. So, uh, <laughs> we needed his own little George. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our mascot, yes. Yeah, normally George is sit, uh, sitting by our, our monitor and he's watching us, uh, but this time he gets to, to see what, what you guys see. <laughs> so, uh, Sarah, we've got a, a message. That, uh, you've got a message, rather, <laughs> to bring this week. Uh, and uh, I believe that that's got a title. Yeah. Children are arrows. Look at that. I got a graphic for it. <laughs> Thank you for getting that uh, over to me early so that I could uh, look that up. And, uh, I like I, That's a great reaction. That's perfect. Awesome. I'm glad that <laughs> works out because it always work out. Uh, anyhow, uh, would you like to uh, pray over the message before we dive into it? Uh, sure. Thank you, Lord, for today and for the the show and um, allowing me to heal, to be able to make it down here, 
um, for Josh hosting and opening up his home. Uh, Louie and my mom being here to sit in and uh, bring their observations, their perspectives to what we talk about. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of children that um, you have given to many of us, um, especially for my own serenity. Thank you so much for her. And I just pray that um, I listen to my own message tonight and uh, send her out into the world um, to do your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, all right. So it's kind of a funny thing to say, right? Children are arrows. What's that mean? Well, that comes from a specific scripture reference in uh, Psalm 127, starting in verse 3. It says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. So it says there that they're a heritage, that it's a reward from God. And as arrows, so if you think old grammar rules as like it's a comparison, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so a warrior using arrows, that's how children can be. And then it goes on and says, happy is the man that has his quiver full. If you know arrows, a quiver is where you hold the arrows. It's saying a lot of kids. Um, and they shall not be ashamed. So when you think, I know you, uh, listeners didn't really see that uh, picture on the... Come on, Yeah, that... <laughs> <laughs> for the title screen, um, but it was a picture of someone pulling, drawing back the arrow in the bow. And um, I say that that was like the perfect picture because when you think of a warrior, they don't just hold on to the arrows. They don't just leave them in the quiver. No, they take them out and they shoot them. They have a purpose. They, they are going, they're either hunting, you know, so they're killing prey they're protecting uh, from some kind of beast or animal or some enemy. Like there's a purpose for what they're doing. They don't just stay in the quiver. So that's kind of the first thing is children are children and they, we have them for a certain amount of time, but they're not supposed to just always be with us. They're supposed to go out they have a purpose. They have a job to do that God has made for them. He created all of us with a specific purpose in mind. And we should not hold our children back. We should actually be the ones helping to shoot them out. To get them out and into the world and doing what God has, wants them to do. Um, another thing about using a bow and arrow is you don't put a lot of stuff on an arrow. It's pretty basic, you know. Um, it's maybe like a little piece of wood or like olden times. I'm plastic or something now. I don't know. And then a metal tip and then like the feathers at the end to kind of guide it. You don't add weight. You don't wrap it up with a bunch of stuff. Like 
we shouldn't be weighing down our kids with anything. We shouldn't weigh them down with our worries. We shouldn't weigh them down with our expectations. Like, we need them to be able to move and do what they need to do with the least amount of resistance for them. We should be the ones helping them to do that. And then that takes me to another scripture reference um, found in Proverbs. That is going to be Proverbs 22.6, like my tissue notes. <laughs> Make great bookmarks. I do. It's <laughs> like having a shoe, here's a tissue. <laughs> um, but Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So it's saying if you teach them the way that he should live, the way they should live and do what they need to do when they're older, they know what to do. They're not going to go away from that. Now, that's not a promise, which I used to think it was a promise, but it's not a promise. It's a proverb, which is a piece of conventional wisdom, if you will. So it's what is most likely going to be true. So... They still have their own mind at the end of the day. They still have their own way that they're going to Exactly. Go. <laughs> but if you teach them and train them, you prepare them as best as possible, then more than likely they will stick to that. And that's what I mean about not weighing them down. You know, if going back to the arrow analogy, we're not adding all the extra stuff to them, weighing them down or putting things in their way. We're letting it be as clean and, and uh, efficient as possible. <laughs> Help them go as far as possible. That's right, yes. Yes. And it's, it's something that even while they're a kid, you can know this. You can see this. Um, I was doing the... Uh, a wanna lesson with the Sparkies, which is uh, the kindergarten through second grade kids the other night. And um, one of the girls said her verses to me, and it was Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. So even when they're still young, even before we necessarily shoot them out, they are, people can already tell, you know, like people tell me all the time, and I'm so thankful for it that they tell me Serenity is a good kid, and I say she's a good kid, you know, yeah. and me and Sterling have done our best to teach her to be a good kid, and it's already showing now, and then hopefully as she grows older and we keep teaching her, we keep helping her, we keep guiding her, then we can help shoot her out into the world to do whatever God wants her to do. Now, there's some... Uh, examples of this, you know, in the Bible. Um, one in the Old Testament that I thought of when I was thinking about this was uh, the story of Samuel. Um, his mother, Hannah, didn't have kids when they were first married, and she really, really, really wanted a kid. And so she promised God, if you give me a kid, then I will give him right back to you. And so God heard her prayer, blessed her with a son, and she honored her her oath to God. And when he was old enough, she took him to the temple. And he stayed there to learn how to be 
uh, a priest, basically. And he was the he was the last judge of Israel. He helped uh, coronate two two kings. You know, he found Saul because the people begged him to find a king for him. So he found Saul, and then when Saul failed at being a king, uh, unfortunately, he God sent him to find David, which. I mean, there's so many stories about David. Like yeah. David alone could be an example that his father was teaching him right. Yeah. And like he was pretty young when he was anointed by Samuel. Like he was really young. He was like a teenager when he fought Goliath. So he had already been taught these things. But Samuel was the one who anointed him. Samuel knew from a young age that his mom had made an oath and she kept that oath. And then he went on and did these amazing things for God. And then in the New Testament, an example would be um, Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, it talks about how Paul is remembering Timothy's grandma and his mom, how they worshipped God, which means they were the influence for Timothy. They taught him. And then so when Paul came around, Timothy was already a young man doing what was good. He was known, you know, for doing right. And so Paul kind of took him under his wing and trained him to be a pastor, you know, and he did a lot of amazing work for God and helped Paul out in his ministry. And that's the kind of thing that we all should be doing as, as Christian parents. And even if you're not a Christian parent, you want what's best for your kid, right? You want them to succeed. You want them to be happy. You need to train them to do what's right. Yeah, even, and then you need uh, to let them go. <laughs> I was saying, even, like, even outside of being a parent, too, like being a mentor is another another thing. Like, um, Louie and I have kind of gone back and forth being each other's mentor because there's times where he's mentored me and there's times I've mentored him. And, and uh, I mean, making each other stronger, like, that that's just another thing, like another layer of it, like, at all, all at some point, we're all each other's parents in that way. Like, yeah, yeah that, absolutely. You know, somebody people, has that knowledge that we need. Uh-huh, a lot of people can be involved in that process. Well, I mean, going back to my two examples, Samuel was raised in the temple by not his, you know, after his parents let him stay there, he was raised yeah. by the priest there. That wasn't the priest's son, but he still taught him what, how to do those things. Yeah. You know, and then Paul, I said he took him under his wing. Paul wasn't his dad, but he taught him and helped him lead, how to become a leader of a church. Like, so absolutely, even if you don't have that specific that specific blessing of having your own children. There are plenty of people that you can do that with. And, and it can still be the same concept of you don't want to weigh them down. You don't want to get in their way. You want to help prepare them to go out and do what God has made them to do. And that can be a learning process, too, because you there's, there's yeah. I talked about with this with a, with a friend of mine earlier today, just hours ago, actually. And we talked about how everybody lives in their own narrative. Like, everybody's their own central character, right? And we, we talked about, like, the fact that when he, when he would try to tell somebody something, um, he, he was he felt like he was just, they were just waiting for him to be done so that they could respond. 
as opposed to just listening to what he was trying to say. Um, and then once he was finished, maybe they could, you know, respond if they wanted to, but it was more about just talking about what was going on. But it's like, oh man, uh, it, you know, that's because everybody lives in, the, lives in their own head in, in that way. Like, this, this is player one, you know, if, if for the video game that's out there, the, the one, your, your player one, and then all the, everybody else is the, the NPCs in your, or the non-playable characters in your video game world. Uh, and then they're just interacting with you. Uh, and unfortunately, that's how just most people are. That's just human nature. We're, we're all guilty of, of that. And we have to learn more of that parent-type mindset of like, you know, even if we're talking to another individual who may be our peer, to think about um, approaching it, not necessarily as a parent, but just that more of a, a patient, right, Lou? We talked about that. Uh, and yeah, more of a patient outlook at it and more of a uh, uh, compassion uh, uh, outlook on what we're talking about, too. So, whatever that may be, or listening and speaking, too. Yeah, and listening is a very most important part. A very most important part. Uh, it's like you said, patience, because a lot of kids are very difficult, and you gotta know how to get through them. Because a lot of times you could teach them at home. But they learn more in the streets or in school, and then it makes it difficult for a parent to deal with that kid. Yeah, that's true. That that's true. Mm -hmm. Parents are parents should be a big part of the equation, but they aren't the only part ever. <laughs> There's always going to be other influences. Yes. You know, that's why the the saying you know it takes a village, you know, to raise children like that saying has been around forever for a reason <laughs> and but it is a parent's responsibility god has given them that and arguing with them about what's this and what's that and why should I do this and why should I do that. That's when the patients come in and you have to come in and then teach them the right way. Definitely, yes. You know your children, you know. Yes. Because everyone's different, obviously, and they're going to respond differently and have different strengths and weaknesses and and things like you said that you can see early on that are, you know, talents or, or whatever. And God will give you wisdom in that too if you ask Him for wisdom and help with that. He says if we ask for wisdom, He'll. What is that verse? Uh, it's in James, I think. James, right. That's what I have in my Bible here as <laughs> But yeah, Mom, I mean, you had three very different children. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sometimes you tried to deal with us in the same way, but that didn't work. And um, then other times you did it on an individual basis, and that worked out a lot better. Right. And um, then, yeah, it's James 1 5. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and it shall be given him. You know? And you can get around other people too. Other people can help you with that who have raised their children, and uh, you know they can help you. 
from their mistakes and from the things that they did right either way. Um, I think it's better for the positive role model for some reason because if you've made mistakes, I'm not sure that, you know, I mean, you can learn from them, but it's just better, I think, if you did it right, then you know for sure that it works, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to tread lightly here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, because I know, I mean, I, I was I was the good kid, right, Mom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're done, but I just had a discussion. <laughs> Tony was the bad kid. Carol was the quiet kid. I was the good kid. <laughs> you were really good, but I I was really patient by the time I got to you. So I feel like if I'd been more patient with Carol and Tony, they probably would have done differently. But that's very possibly. But they also, like we said at the very beginning, we do the best that we can. But ultimately, the kids are going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know that with uh, my my brother James and I, you know, like we're we're very different people now. Like we still get along just fine, and, but like when we were kids, it was it was reversed. I was quiet, and he was that outgoing. I can't imagine person. you quiet. <laughs> but, well, and for me, most of it was uh, embarrassment because my my voice was high. And it just get, you know the little boys they have their voice their voice is high, and so I just wouldn't talk because I was I didn't want anybody to hear hear me talk, and uh, so I would just not talk. I would just be quiet. <laughs> and uh, Not like he had nothing to say, but you yeah, just didn't I'm, want anybody to hear. Yeah, I had plenty to say, just didn't want anybody to hear. Exactly. Just waiting for this time. Yeah. 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 So, Save yeah. it all up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. I put it in the bank and uh, releasing all the words uh, past adolescence. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then once that, once I hit teenage years and, you know, then. I became the outgoing one, and then he became very like stoic and like. Not to say that he can't get into a good conversation. He's not here. He's you know he, he's a ham too, but uh, he's just more quiet, more reserved, like more take it all in. He's a lot like Sterling in that way, uh, you know. Um, and uh, we've had some pretty like good deep conversations too. And, but he's but he tends to be more of that that direction. My, my, so my parents growing up they got confused because they they thought. Um, when we were smaller, that I was the good kid, and that James was more of the the bad kid. Not necessarily he was, he was all that bad. He was, you know, that, as bad as the they would let us because we couldn't leave the front porch until we were, uh, a little, I think, like ten years old, <laughs> or something like that. I think we still we still you know broke those rules. But <laughs> kids are gonna do what they're gonna do. <laughs> Um, Mom with, and Dad, if you're listening. Oh, the statute of limitations, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then as we got older, when you know, I became more outgoing, and then James came, became more reserved. Then it was like, well, how do we deal with this? Because we've we've dealt with them. That's the, yeah, it, it it was quite the change up, but they still had to get used to that. You know, figuring out and uh, navigating. Uh, you know, one kid that's very much social and in and, and like every crowd and then the, the other kid who's just like you I just want to hang out pretty much by myself maybe a couple other people you know uh, and he was like video games and I was more like I want to go outside and do everything experience it all so that was that's that's got to be difficult to to, to, to have, essentially have two different parenting styles same set of parents and two different kids mm-hmm. just oh, yeah. completely different personalities everything everything was different well, 
you have a different purpose. Like Sarah's purpose is not Carol's purpose, and Carol's purpose was not Tony's purpose. You know, so God made you that way on purpose, and then uh, you just have to figure that out and and help them in that and hone that and aim that in that direction. Yeah. And and that goes back to that arrow analogy really well because uh, if you you've seen especially in modern day arrowheads there there are so many different types. Mm-hmm. They can they can do different tasks. Mm-hmm. Just the arrowhead, but and then and then the bodies the the body of the arrow those those all come in different. Uh, they come in like metal, fiberglass, still wood. Like uh, I mean, depend, yeah, the, the material is different based on the task that that's placed right. before it. And then mm-hmm. the feathers, the feathers, the feather placement, the feather uh, coloring sometimes, like all that, the, and even the, the length, all, everything that has to do with an arrow, like all of that is a factor in what's going to be the outcome of it. I have a crossbow. Exactly, see? And it's a whole other type of arrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And pray and seek wisdom and actually do the work. Don't just leave them out there on their own. Don't let it slide. Or throw them in front of an iPad. It's so hard, yeah. <laughs> and always find the right person to help you teach your kids. Yeah. Not everybody right. the same. And yeah. Yeah. Careful of what village you, you decide to help raise your kids. It's really good to just have your church help you out. Good Bible-believing church to help you church out. Church is definitely a huge help when, when you have that community there. Um, I'm thankful for um, my church and the church that I was raised in, which is the same, but it's not. Um, I like your church a lot. I've been there. So yeah, we're waiting for you to come back. <laughs> but growing up there, but then again, that was really good for me personally, although it was very structured and that just really helped me to thrive. It was not as good for my siblings. It felt oppressive and um, like they couldn't be who they were. And so it just kind of depends, you know. They were always there for us. And um, and even now with, with how the church is now, I'm glad that I have them for my daughter and the people around her. Um, but it's a lot different than it used to be, you know. Um, but I'm still thankful for those people, and, that, and I know that those that's the leaders, leaders and yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my short life, you know, so much has changed in the world. You know, it, it just is going faster and faster towards towards the end. <laughs> and Lord, come soon, you know, like in all the signs that He talks about. <laughs> it's like, yeah, He can be coming anytime now, and I just want to do the best that I can for my daughter, and like I said, I, I was teaching those Awana kids, you know, and I'm going to be helping with the Sunday school here soon. All of those kids, too, those aren't my children, but I am a part of those children's village to help raise them, mm-hmm. to help their parents point them in the right direction, and to shoot them out into the world. Yeah. Let's get like, another like mentoring chance, or we have, we, have, we have that here sometimes, and we have a lot of young minds that come through here and, and um, uh, our team put it best. He said, yeah, when he came to, to visit here and, and be part of the show, him and uh, Nick, he said, well, I seen, when I was in that room, I seen all different generations. And uh, 
And I'm saying, like, well, yeah, it's like, like church, right? Like, in my mind, when I, when I was hearing him say, there's a whole different generation listening to them, like, young and old, and everybody, everybody knew that they all had their place of wisdom within that. And it was, it was really cool to hear him, that feedback, but at the same time, like, know that that's what God wanted all along with this, mm-hmm. right? Like, Absolutely. to allow all different generations to be in one room. Um, and and all kind of pulling from each other and, and oh, learning from the sixty six books. Get together, all generation, all colors, and just get along. Yeah. And, and, but we've had at least some of that, a small sample of that here, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, we got you know, Mr. Ryan over there in the producers booth, and and uh, you know, that's that's next generation. We want him to succeed, so we got to try. That's why. That's why. When I, that's why we want to talk about like. He may be not there yet, but he's still learning. Like, we're training him up. He's, he's training him up in the way he's going to go, right? He's, he's going to take this production uh, knowledge that he's learned here, and he's going to be able to take that somewhere else if he wants to. Or he, he can stay with us if he wants, but he can take that knowledge with somewhere else. And all the, the Bible knowledge that he's learned from being here, uh, whether through osmosis or... <laughs> 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 or what have you. Or listening. Are you listening? <laughs> we just want to know. But any way it goes that he's he's here and he's a part of it and he's learning something. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of minds and a lot of wisdom collectively even in the room right now. Uh, but you know, just on a general on a, any given week here when we're when we're doing this show, there's a lot of wisdom that comes in here in this room and he can definitely benefit from that and so can any other uh, uh, person who comes in here uh, you know even if they are they themselves are a lot of wisdom they can they can pull from everybody oh, yeah. uh, we can all learn from each other we've not been in each other's shoes like i'm my mom's daughter and i have not walked the same path that she has walked like yeah. it's been completely different mm-hmm. you know I'm a woman. You guys are men. You know, I'm white. You are Puerto Rican. Like, <laughs> those are very different things. Like, we all have different life experiences, different perspectives on things, and it's good to bring that all together so that we can learn from each other. Yeah, but the good thing about it, different religion, different people, but we all honor the same person, and that's God. I don't know about him. Um, I ran, but I know every other uh, country on this guy. I mean, ultimately, everybody's going to bow down. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. And the funny thing is, is that the ones that don't believe, and when God comes, they're going to be and trying to believe, and it might be too late. So you better start now. That's right. Yeah. Right now, do it with our I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. That's what we talked about, like the signs of the times, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's nothing to be. It's not to be scared of. I want to. I want to press that button really hard right now. I don't, hopefully, I'm not stepping on any toes here. But, um, because I had, I had I was another, based on another discussion here recently, where I talked with someone who's uh, uh, he's agnostic. Uh, kind of like he's kind of like where Alan was, right? Um, where he believes that there's a higher power, maybe, but you know he's not quite sure. And then there's, then he's got a lot of moral values that he's pulled from Chris, the Christian beliefs that he was raised in, but not quite, you know. 
um, uh, you know, doesn't really know about the whole Jesus thing. So that the idea that uh, the the end times was something to be scared of. That's what he always heard from all these different churches. I'm like, it's not. It's nothing to be scared of. I said, I said, if a church is telling you that it's something to be scared of, and they're telling you wrong. Not, there's nothing to be scared of. There's nothing to be scared of. It's actually something to look forward to. We should be all, all be looking forward to, to the, the signs of the end times. Um, and he said, why, why, Josh? Why would we be looking forward to that? That sounds so scary. The end. The end. The end. Well, because, yes, the Euphrates is drying up. Yes, there's fresh water going in, into the, the Dead Sea. Yes, uh, we're, we're, we are seeing, you know, pretty much everybody pointing at Israel right now. Um, these these look like the season, right? Right. But then, what's that next thing it talks about? It talks about all these people accepting Christ. That's the next season it talks about. For, for a period of time. Now, I don't know if that's 10 days. I don't know if that's 100 years, 1,000 years. I don't know, because time a day is a, is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. God's version of time is very different than, the, than the, our human understanding of it. So I'm looking forward to it. And that's what I would want everyone out there to hear. If you've never heard that from, from, a, from a pulpit before, I want you to hear that here and now. Look forward to it. Because it's going to happen. It's going to go, it's going to be all over the world. All over the world. It's going to be global. I'm, India, I'm China, all of them. I've always, uh, you know, I've had some debate with that about some people because some people said the opposite, but... It's right there in the book of Revelation. It's the very next step. I really feel like that there will be a lot of people saved right before the end. And when that very last person is saved, then that's going to be it. And we're going to be called up and out of here. And then judgment comes. And that's why people are scared of it, honestly. But if you are scared, scared, yeah, you don't need to be scared. You just need to know that uh, your hope is in Jesus, you know, and put your hope in him. And then you can look forward to it like we can. Exactly right, and then uh, on top of that, once once you've got your hope in Him, be caught doing something that God wants you to be doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, hey, if the end's tomorrow, then just be caught doing something He wants you to be doing. Don't be doing something He doesn't want you to be doing. Well, well, you know, what are you doing right now while you're listening to, to us? Well, I mean, maybe you're doing something tomorrow, right? You're just listening to us. Benignly, you're just listening. You're in your car, or maybe you're, uh, you know, at work or whatever. But you know, what if you're not doing something that's good? Let's let's stop that right now. <laughs> I want to encourage you to, to be caught doing something God wants you to be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'm guilty of that too. I'm still a human man, person. You can say that because we're, we're, I think I, I think I could probably proclaim, but everybody in this room is all guilty of that at some point or another. Whether it be today or uh, maybe another day, whatever. Oh, for sure, because we're, we're human beings. Yeah, we yeah. forget. I mean, even yeah. if you intend to try to do that, there are times that we get distracted or, or tempted, and we just don't. You know, so you have to get right back on track when you when you remember. And I think God gives grace for that too. But you know, you do the best you can, as we've been saying. I think this whole this whole session, but uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's something that you do need to kind of think about. And I think you could you could practice easily practice doing like coping skills to go along with it. I, I I know that the Bible doesn't spell out like, hey, use psychological coping skills, but I think that they're a great marriage. Uh, I think God gave us science 
you know, and, and I think mm -hmm. it just because it's his, right? It belongs to him. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I think that the, the good Bruce things Lyons. that come, yeah, the things that come from psychology that are that are beneficial to human beings, uh, like I talk about box breathing. Louie and I have talked about box breathing. It's uh, the Navy SEALs do box breathing. It's, it helps reduces it reduces stress and it helps them to think clearly. Uh, actually, you can practice this right now if you'd like to, because I, I, I can I can guide you through it. So what you do is um, just like a, a box is a square, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's got four sides, and then you have to count uh, four. So of one to four. Now think about this. Um, what can your mind do uh, while it's uh, breathe while it's thinking about breathing and counting at the same time? Can it can it think about anything else? No, because it can only do two tasks at once, honestly. Woman, man, doesn't matter. I know that you multitaskers and men are not multitaskers. Doesn't matter. When you're breathing and counting, you can't do anything else. So um, what I'd like for you to do is go ahead and um, imagine, uh, close your eyes and imagine something that would make you really upset, something that would make you really angry. The, the worst case scenario, right? Put yourself in that emotional place. And then hold your breath. One, two, three, four. Now breathe in and raise your shoulders at the same time. <laughs> two, three, four. Now hold. Two, three, four. Now lower your shoulders and breathe out. Three, four. Audibly, let it all out. That's box breathing. <laughs> now, when you started out and you had that negative thought in your head, you don't have to say, say what it was, but is it still there? Is it really still there? No. No. And is it isn't that big of a worry right now? No. No. That's that's the idea. It's one it's one of many coping skills that, that people can employ employ themselves. And this is something you can start your day off with as part of your morning prayers. I mean I mean, if you're praying and then you say, okay, God, I'm just going to breathe for a few seconds. And, and another beneficial thing to it, uh, scientifically speaking, and once again, science is God, so we're going to give it to him. When you do that breathing, it does three different things within the body. Um, it releases endorphins, um, dopamine, naturally. And it oxygenates your blood. Yeah. You bet. You bet. Also, with your kids and your husband. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, in that stressful situation, you might be able to do that and really be, get really, like, immediate relief. <laughs> and, and, and you know, like I said, you know, you always think about the, the you know, one, two, three, four, right? And, and it's something you can always go back to. And, and um, I've done this, you know, I practiced this here recently, and it's really helped me. Uh, and, I, and, I've, and I've watched uh, I've watched a lot of other people that help it helped it help in their lives as well, and uh, you know Lou and I both have been practicing it quite a bit with, with each other just because because uh, we we can, uh, we can get each other worked up. <laughs> I uh, used it today with my old lady. She got me kind of upset. I went outside and I did it. I was relaxed after a while. Came back in and I killed her. No, <laughs> <laughs> with kindness. Killed her with kindness. <laughs> Talking and we got it on again. <laughs> Talking helps. 
Yeah. And being in the right frame of mind to talk helps. Mm -hmm. So it does help. It does. See, that's, that's, that's my other coping skill. So um, I've had, and, and I'm, I, I've been an angry person my whole life, believe it or not. <laughs> I, I may not always show up, and you may not, you may not always see it uh, for anyone around me, but I've been a very angry person my, my whole life. My whole life. And, but uh, I've, I've, I've taught myself in, uh, over time uh, to take a beat. That's, that's my new like, little thing I tell myself, take a beat. You know, it's kind of like the beat still to know that I am God. So that's, that's, it's this different sentence, but it's, still same, it's the same thing. I'm still telling myself to, to be still and, and listen to God, right? So for that for that few seconds, and then I go into my breathing. So I got to, but I got to stop myself before when I feel the anger, when I feel anger come on, because you know when you're going to get angry. Everybody knows that little feeling when it starts to like get some tingles in your fingers, you get a little bit hot, and you can feel your your breathing start to increase, and and there's all and your heart starts to maybe race a little faster, and maybe you clench your fists, that kind of thing, all that stuff. That's when you know. Say, okay, take a beat. So stop it in its tracks because if it's if it's really not going to be beneficial to you or anyone else around you, go ahead and take that beat. We still know that He is God. At your at your moment of prayer, because we're breathe if we're breathing, we're praying. Honestly, and I'll get to that in a moment too. <laughs> but then you got um, then you get, then you go right. You're breathing one, two, three, four. You, if you're counting and you're breathing. You're releasing all of that, but also, you know, like, so go go back to the, the the breath. If you're breathing, you're praying. Uh, what's God's name? Yahweh, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. When I've heard when, this, yeah. Yes. So you know, when you breathe in, you breathe out. You're praying if you're breathing. So, box breathing is just another form of prayer. Isn't that great? Yeah. That's a good way for us to get away from all the, the negative uh, things that have been poisoning our minds and, and, our, and even our bodies, really. Um, yeah, because it, it's just everywhere nowadays. Yeah, the stress can really, can really hurt you physically, too. Oh, absolutely. And these are things that we can then pass on to our, our next generation. These, these coping skills, these things that we've learned um, for a long time, for me, it was, uh, you know, playing music. That was my, my out. You know, those things, you have, you have, I think working with your hands tends to be your ear out, right? Like, I've seen you, like, really, because, he, man, when, he, when he's angry, he can do construction like nobody's business. <laughs> um, I do walks. That's been my go-to for a long time. I go for a walk. Getting to that point, I need to go for a walk. <laughs> That's another good stressful. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I'm breathing then too. <laughs> <laughs> I like getting lost in something. So whether that is listening to music or coloring or playing this little number game that I have on my phone, but it, it it's almost mindless, but not completely mindless. Yeah. It, I have to concentrate on that thing only. Yeah. So it takes away everything else. Yeah, so some of those games are very good for that. I like that for the coloring and the I have a work game that I do also that's kind of like that. But yeah. Coloring yeah. is good too. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes you 
Yeah, in that way, it's like the box breathing. It's, a, it's another coping mechanism that you're, you're fully concentrated on it, so everything else is, you can't think about anything else because you're like, ah, you know, the dog is red, so, you know, that's all I need to think about right now. <laughs> yes. They made you color books and all that so you could concentrate on the coloring and not worry about your sickness and what you're going through and yeah. stuff like that. You don't know anything about that though. No, but my mother taught me about it because she's going through it now. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you now that one they're making me color. I can't believe they're making me color. <laughs> There's just some of my friends are like, oh, I'm just not really much of an artist. That doesn't matter. You don't have to be great at drawing to, to draw to, to calm yourself down. Like, just draw something. Like, it, it doesn't have to be a perfect circle every time. It doesn't have to be, you know, a great triangle. Just draw something, even if it's just swirls on the paper. It, it, it it's just cathartic. Mm-hmm. It, it takes so much stress off of you just to make something and use your mind to do it. Because then, like you said, you're. you're you're fully concentrated on the task at hand, mm-hmm. so everything else can just disappear. And I, I think I think putting your mind in a creative space where the well, drawing, writing is another one. Yeah, I, writing. I yeah. love to write. I was getting ready to say that journaling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I like to like I like to write uh, positive uh, paragraphs. Like I like to write like things that, that uplift. Like it's, it's not necessarily biblical, but just you know. There was also something else that uh, Debbie uh, Haddix taught us a few years ago um, with using people's names that you can be uh, creativity, like praying over them or something, and also doing like an artistic work with their name. Like you can. Oh, like calligraphy? Uh huh, kind of like that. Yeah, as you're you're doodling or whatever with the name and making it really beautiful and thinking about them and praying for them. And it was just all one piece. It was very interesting. I'd never Mm. tried that before. That was really cool. Tried a little bit of that. I think I'd like to try that. Yeah. Mm, I'll I'll have to ask Karen for for that. Right, just ask her. (laughs) Hopefully she's watching. Hi, Karen. Comment back here. <laughs> <laughs> we need the comments. <laughs> not that kind of Karen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. We needed that. <laughs> oh, man. Where are we at on time, Ryan? Where are we at on time? 47. Cool. So, yeah, that can, that can lead us right into uh, the politics portion, yeah. I, I have a feeling after looking at this article, that's going to take us a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and given the fact that we're only at 47 minutes, uh, allows us time for my uh, uh, my fourth secret article, so we'll do that one as well. Okay. Oh, great. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Real reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfiltered. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll give you guys a little bit. Just use the box breed. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, coming from the Daily Wire, uh, 
That's our first article of the night. Democrat mayor's request urgent meeting with Biden over influx of illegal immigrants into their cities. Now, Democrat mayors of five major cities sent a letter to President Joe Biden last week requesting a meeting to discuss the mass influx of illegal immigrants into their cities. Mayors Eric Adams of New York City, Brandon Johnson of Chicago, uh, Karen Bass of Los Angeles, Mike Johnson of Denver, and Sylvester Turner of Houston wrote uh, Biden on October 28th asking for additional federal funding and expedited approval for illegal immigrants to begin working in their cities. Sounds like uh, there's a pretty common thread here. They're major cities and they're all ran by Democrats. Hypocritical of them, I think. Um, anyway, the mayors <laughs> began the letter first obtained by the Associated Press by thanking Biden for previously uh, for the previously allocated 1.4 billion in funds uh, for food and shelter and by approving work authorization for illegal immigrants from Venezuela. Hmm. Uh, quote, while these uh, courageous actions represent critical first steps, we believe additional action is needed and believe as the mayors leading many of our uh, most affected cities, we can be helpful partners in identifying solutions. To address this crisis, crises, without further delay, we are requesting an urgent meeting with you uh, to directly discuss uh, ways we can work with our administration to avoid large numbers of additional asylum seekers being brought to our cities with little to no coordination, support, or resources, the mayor's wrote. Um, busloads of migrants who legally illegally crossed into Texas have been sent by Governor Greg Abbott of Texas uh, to New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles, places that have been have branded themselves sanctuary cities. The influx has cost the cities hundreds of millions of dollars, and municipal uh, officials have struggled to uh, struggled to find places for the migrants to stay. Now, not that long ago, you got some Oh, baby, <laughs> now you crying. Exactly. That's the perfect perfect uh, thing to say there. Um, and, and because it wasn't that long ago that all these same people said, send them all. We can take them more sanctuary cities, right? AOC was one of them that um, she was crying when she saw those um, immigrants over there and fences and all that. And <laughs> yeah. happy that they came first to, to New York, but now she got yeah. a different point, uh, a point of view. Yeah, she she uh, she cried at the uh, empty parking lot by the border. That was something. Anyway, um, <laughs> now they're saying, "Oh, there's too many." Essentially, but this is a very long way of putting it. There's too many. Stop them from coming in. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder who had a solution. This guy named Donald Trump might have, you know, talked about building a wall, big beautiful wall. Kept a lot of people out. I mean, I mean, if you're looking at the numbers, just just by numbers, I think, um, and and I, I don't want to mis, misquote, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is this is off the top of my head, so it's not actual numbers. So I preface with that. Hopefully, they don't boot us off of uh, platforms. Um, but anyhow, uh, the numbers under under Trump were, I think, one tenth, if that. Sounds about right. It's a, it's a it right about low, that. Actually, low. it was the lowest in like 70 years or something. In the same like that. But since pre-Reagan. Yeah, lowest number since pre-Reagan, mm -hmm. I believe. And it's like, well, how does how does that happen? Well, you know, a wall was part well, of that. That was part of that. And he also did quite a few other things. He made the deal with Mexico. 
when they were closing their border and keeping asylum seekers in their country. And then he talked to the other countries and said, we're sending them back. And they said, no, you're not. And he said, yes, you are. And he made a deal with them. And they said, yes, we are. And so, you know, and he allowed ICE to do their job and he allowed Border Patrol to do their job. And it worked much better. And we're not keeping everybody out. You know, we're letting people in, but we're letting the right people in. We don't want some criminal or some rapist. We got plenty of that here. We don't need any more. Yeah. We need the right people that are coming in here with families and willing to work and become something in America. Right. Yeah, because when you see those caravans, what's mostly what you see? Military-aged men. Right. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's very dangerous. They said it's getting more dangerous now because that's really that's all they're seeing now. And how many communists they already found there was, coming in? Last group was seven thousand crossing yeah. the border at once. And you know who's of men? You know what nationality has actually come across the Mexican border more than any other nationality? I'm not sure. Chinese. Okay, I did hear Chinese. They also have been as by by massive numbers. There's more Chinese illegally crossing the border. Those are just the ones they. Those are just the ones they know about. Right, the ones. Yeah, yeah they're not counting gotaways. Yeah, that's yeah. just. Which is that's something very, we're in very difficult times right now. We just are. Aren't gotaways? That's something that, but that's an actual term. Well, they, they just got away. Gotaways, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Count them. Put them up. Put the hash mark on the chalkboard. You got away. <laughs> so if we ever go to war with. China or Russia because a lot of Russians are coming in. So they're here. They're here, and we're going to have to be fighting them here as right. well. Because they're already here. Yeah, mm-hmm. already set up and, you know, already settled in. Yeah. Pretty good case for a little thing called the Second Amendment, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Protect yourselves. Yeah. Uh, you know. Be smart. <laughs> and, 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 and not only, you know, get yourself a firearm, but learn how to use it. I don't can't stress that enough. Learn how to use it, how to use it safely, how to store it. Keep it safe from the kids. Exactly. Yes. How to properly store it, how to use it, how you know, all the good things uh, that, that makes it truly a home protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and well if you're like me and Louie, you're 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 carrying. You're out when you're out and about too, because you never know what's gonna happen out and about in the world. You could be you could be at the grocery store when uh, when things happen, you know? Yeah. Just like the young man at Greenwood Mall. Yes, exactly. There were plenty of times that I went to uh, Walmart, a Democrat had something, <laughs> Kroger's, I meant to say. I had some guy um, trying to look, pick a fight with me or something, and I t- always tell them, you better go away, and then I go like this a little bit to show them I got a gun so they can just walk away, and they just walk away once I show it to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, just brandishing a weapon will make a criminal walk away from the situation. That's why the the, the, the FBI can't get actual numbers uh, on, on how many times how many guns actually save lives, because just brandishing a gun. I had a situation at a gas station not that long ago where got a guy that came up to me and kept at, you know, one of those people that just wants to ask for gasoline, but he said, oh, my car broke down the right back, and I know he was lying. I could, I could, I could smell it on his breath how much he was lying from 14 feet away. 
And I said, don't come any closer. And my friend was in the car. He, you know, he's, he's unassuming, unassuming all, he's, he's on his phone. He's not paying attention to nothing. And I'm under, underneath the hood of my vehicle at the time, putting some fluids in my vehicle. And I told him, I said, don't you dare come any closer. And that's when I lifted up my shirt just a little bit so he could see that I was carrying it. And he backed away, thankfully for, for both of us. Because I, I don't want to have to use it. But I will use it to protect myself. Mm-hmm. It's right. neat. But you have situations like that. Yeah, it and, is a prevention. And you're right, they can't track it. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely a prevention. But that's a life that, I mean, I, potentially that saved both me and my friend's life. Exactly, yeah. And that man, too, because he backed away. Exactly. Like Just from seeing it. In New York, they know you don't got a gun. That's why they jump on you. They they rob you. And you got a lot of these teenagers in New York jumping on an old man or an old lady and robbing them. And people standing around there doing nothing. Mm-hmm. They're oh, yeah. Right. They make a game of it, too. Mm-hmm. They, they, they tape it and put it on, the, on their TikTok, and, they, and they, they make a game. They call it a knockout game. There was a there was a boy here recently, who uh, he had an interview with the news. He was he was one of them that was playing the knockout game, and he wondered why everybody was so upset with him. He said, "Oh, it was just a mistake. You were actively going out and, and hitting people in the head. Like you could have killed somebody. You're a young man with presumably quite a bit of strength, and you're going out and striking people that, you know, if they're if they're of a certain age, one hit that's all it takes, and they go to the ground and they're 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 going to die." And that's why One they do that. It takes no matter what age you are if you're yeah. in the right place. Yeah. And that's why they do that in New York, because they know you don't carry gun because it's against the law. So mm-hmm. they yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah, so it makes it, yeah, it, makes it more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was floored by that. And he was like, oh, I can't understand why people would be, be so upset. Think about your consequences, kid. Like... You, you could have would. Yeah, you know. somebody needs to sit down with a medical book and explain what happens when you get hit in the head. Yeah, not only that, but like if he had been in a different state, if he had been, there, the consequences would have been much more. He would be in prison right now. Yeah. And for a very That's long assault, time. I yeah. think. Assault and battery, isn't it? Yeah. I've seen this man get hit in New York, got punched. He fell backwards, hit his head on the concrete, and died right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over a punch. Yeah, the, the Sometimes man, uh, it happens accidentally, you know. Yeah. You push somebody back and they trip and hit their head. Mm-hmm. The man that robbed the... That's why mm-hmm. there's a law for, like, being in front of somebody and pushing them over. Yeah. yeah. There was uh, the man that died at the Home Depot uh, not too long ago. Uh, I think it was, like, earlier this year. I think it was, like, earlier this year. He was trying to stop somebody from coming out of the, the garden section. Because they were stealing, they were stealing a whole bunch of stuff, and then they just pushed the pushed the older man over. I think he was in his later seventies, early eighties, and yeah, it all, it all took. He just got pushed over, and he and he went to the hospital, and then died. Right, you get that age, uh, you're very right. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because uh, at that age, your bones start getting sore and tender, and your skin, mm-hmm. you know, anything could happen to you. Mm-hmm. Fall, you break a rib, you know, mm-hmm. anything could happen. Yep. And, yeah, it's a lot easier to break bones at that mm-hmm. point. My mother just fell down on her bed to the ground and broke three words. Mm-hmm. She's 90-something years old. Mm-hmm. So people are very delicate when they get that age. Mm-hmm, that's true. And, and it can only be worse if these people are willing to break that law. I mean, how many other laws are they willing to break? Mm-hmm. Right? They're already here by breaking the law. They're breaking the law by being here. That's, that's the argument. 
People say, oh, we don't have compassion for them. Of course I have compassion for them. I would love for them to have the best life possible if they, in fact, have merit. But if they came here legally, gone through at least some of the process, uh, you know, I would I would respect that I, a lot more. Yeah, the, if you're the, already willing to break mm -hmm. that law, what other laws will you be willing to break? Mm -hmm. And then you can come down here illegally, and they don't know who you are. They don't got nobody. You can kill somebody and then go back to your country. Yep. And nobody knows. There's no record. There's mm -hmm. no way to trace you. Yeah. That's the. Uh, there's so many problems with this. It's a multiple problem issue. And crime just keep. I wonder why crime keeps going up in all these major cities, including Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Right? It's because they're not. And, and and but these these mayors are writing saying, "Oh, please stop them from coming in. Stop. You should never <laughs> stop them at the border. Stop them at the border and 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 and, and send them back. When you find them, send them back. Let them know that there are consequences to breaking the law. It just you know." Obviously, you know if they if they can show that they you know they've established a work a place of work and they're and they're trying to do something you know maybe we could work something out. I do have that much compassion for them. So that there, there should be some kind of program for that. If they can show that they've established some kind of work, they've established that they're they're in a community, they're 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 not just surviving; they're actually thriving within the community. They're being part of their community. Maybe there can be something there, like that there. They but have needed that, to work on that. You know the immigrants. A legal immigration issue for a long time, you know, because it take, can take you seven years to become a immigrant legally, definitely, but they can't do it until they stop the illegal immigration because, you know, it's just defeating the purpose when you do that. Excuse me. <laughs> One thing at a time, right? And you have to get rid of the larger issues so that you can focus on. <laughs> It's a smaller issue. Yeah. I know this one guy that he was against guns. He didn't want guns around him until one of his kids got shot. <coughs> now he believes in carrying a gun mm -hmm. because his kid got shot. He didn't die, but he got shot. Now he carries a gun to protect his kid. Mm -hmm. Because you live through something like that, you have to make different choices. Mm -hmm. You change your mind for sure, or at least you hope it would. But if there's a gun behind every blade of grass, then they'll, they'll hopefully still think twice before they try to attack us, right? No matter how many uh, people they send over the border. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, borders and, and issues with it, um, a, a second story is also from Daily Wire. Uh, a matter of good versus evil, Mike Johnson uh, champions aid to Israel. Uh, speaking with Fox News, Kerry McEnany, House Speaker, uh, Gay spoke with House Speaker Mike Johnson, um, and it's no words about the necessity for uh, providing aid to Israel as it uh, fights the terrorist group Hamas, saying this is a matter of good versus evil. He said, uh, let's talk about one of those areas of common ground, potentially this uh, Israel aid package, standalone Israel aid. Uh, the reporting is that there will be a vote, hopefully Thursday. Is that the time you're looking at? Um, he said, he said, yes, I am hoping Thursday. And she said, uh, it, it looks like 14.5 billion is the number that you're looking at. It seems like a big number, right, to send to a foreign country. Uh, uh, and, and you, because we've already sent so much to uh, Ukraine. Um, and you suggest that maybe you'll be, you get a bipartisan vote there, uh, McKinney, uh, McKinney stated. I sure hope so, Johnson said. 
do you have any sense of the number of Democrats who you think might might come for that vote? He said, I hope it's uh, most all of them. I mean, there's a, a few people who uh, have philosophical differences on that, but we'll have some intense debates about their opposition to that. But look, this is a matter of good versus evil. He sees he sees Israel as uh, as as the good, as it's God's people, and it's God. Uh, they, he promised them that land, and and Hamas is evil. And obviously, Hamas is a terrorist cell, and and uh, they've they've attacked Americans as well. They, they still have some American hostages. They slaughtered a bunch of innocent people. That's how this yeah. all started. Exactly. Um, but um, at the same time, and and, and they've I, been shooting rockets for a long, long time at Israel yeah. constantly. And, and, but also at the same time, it's Israel for That's the thing. Yeah, that's what the yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. Well, Hamas has always got all, all their narratives, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, Johnson explained that he wanted to take money that the Biden administration had earmarked for expanding the Internal Revenue Service. Remember those uh, 87,000 new IRS uh, employees? Uh, well, he wants to reallocate that money to Israel. Uh, Sounds and, like a better and, use of the money. To and, me. He, and he just wants to use some of it. Um, so if that money's already there, it's already been budgeted, which uh, that was uh, 67 billion is a lot to be budgeted towards. Uh, uh, a government agency, a three-letter agency that does nobody any good because uh, taxes theft. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, they just want 14.5 billion. Uh, not, those numbers seem arbitrary to all of us because 14. Point, I mean, what, I mean, what's what's a billion look like? Mm -hmm. None of us has ever seen I a billion. I think we really lost track of their of the, the 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 numbers that they're dealing with. It's just it's insane. It's going to take an intervention of God, as far as the money is concerned, too. I mean, it really is, but that, that's that's another that's another issue. But I think he's right. I think it should be a standalone thing. It should not be Ukraine and Israel. It should just be for Israel because they are our friends in the Middle East, and we have a reason to stand by them. Uh, they've always stood by us. And it's a command of God that we're supposed to stand by them. So there's a lot of good reasons to stand with them. Ukraine, on the other hand, has always been known to be corrupt, number one. Number two, there's a lot of questionable activity well, between the, the, the Biden family and Ukraine. And more keeps coming up every day. So Yeah, the 200,000 emails. A uh, really, really bad idea right there. Biden that youth for Ukraine. That's the way they go. Use to laundry that money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, not only that, but uh, most of the, not all, there are some, probably some good Ukrainian people, but the, a big large portion of Ukrainian people are, are neo-Nazis. That's their full-on belief that, that yeah. uh, you know, they like the swastikas and the whole bit. They're into that. It's like, why are we protecting this country? And uh, one of one of the uh, arguments they'll come up and say, "Oh, it's because of the wheat. They they produce a lot of wheat." So does Africa. Like so does the United States. Like there's wheat comes from other places. We don't need to protect this little bitty piece of land. Not only that, but like Russia, <laughs> Russia's going to win against Ukraine. It's inevitability. Even if we send a bunch of our military tech over there, even if we send these billions of dollars trillions of dollars, whatever we send over there, it's not going to matter. Uh, Russia outnumbers Ukraine like 100 million to one. 
but their morale is very low. I will say for the Russian people, the troops, they are, in fact, he's, he's ordering to kill the troops if they will not follow his orders. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the thing, the whole thing. Well, this one's a better place than what I'm saying. Right, it, it's all, a, it's, a, it's literally a slaughter, just a lot of people dying for nothing. Exactly. And they really need, needed to stop that at the get-go, which is what Trump said that he would have done if he was in office. It never would have happened. He said, I just want people to stop dying. It really, it, right, it's. I mean, you know, both sides have lost who knows how much there. But we can't keep pouring money into it because it's not helping. It's also not really in the end. And for all the other reasons that we just said. War doesn't help anybody. We fought in Vietnam for what? We didn't win that. We got out of there because we were spending so much money and Losing soldiers like crazy, Iran. We got out of there. What was the sense of going there in the first place? If we were going to give it up and then let Iran take it over again. And, Iraq and, and now we're going to Ukraine. Come on now, you know, when is it going to stop? We're not the police of the world, which is mm-hmm. something that... They say that we're the, the peacemakers, but where did we make peace? Everybody's killing everybody. We ain't making no peace. We're just making things worse. Yeah, and we're trying to use our ideology of democracy uh, to um, justify, not not us as individuals, but I'm just saying America is using that to justify uh, this proxy war. It would be nice if it would work. But in certain cultures, it won't work. And and, and with a with a culture filled with nothing but neo Nazis, I don't think it's going to work. I think what I'm saying is, like, Russia's going to do what Russia's going to do, and Ukraine's going to do what they're going to do. Let let them fight it out. They're neither one of them are part of anything that USA is part of. We're we're not in any alliance with them. We know, we have no business giving them any money. That they are not American. They are not Americans. Yeah. They are American territories. We have nothing to do with it. They're not even in the the UN. The UN. Mm-hmm. They're not, or the, they're not, they're not NATO. They're not in any of Or NATO. Yeah, NATO's the one I guess I was thinking of. But they wanted to be part of NATO, but they haven't joined NATO yet. So. Well, they don't have the money. Right. So, but if maybe if uh, you know Russia was part of if Russia went ahead and took over Ukraine and Russia could restructure, uh, maybe you know they get a new leader in Russia, maybe. Maybe I'm not going to look one babies here, but then maybe Russia becomes something good. Maybe. Yeah, we John, John and I have discussed this a lot, even about the immigration, because if people would go back and fight for their own country and fight for their own freedom in their own country and do the work that we did in our revolution and create a new country, you know, with boundaries and with laws. You know, and with Christian values, that really, that's the thing that helped us. You know, if they would go back and do that in their own country, then they could have what we have. Yeah. Instead of coming here and saying, well... And begging for money that they're, right. not, even, they're not even using for. While the weapons, well, Louis talked about on his show, while the weapons that Ukraine got recently, they gave it to, uh, or sold it to, Iran. And then Iran turned around and gave those, gave those weapons to Hamas. Those are American weapons in Hamas's hands. Mm-hmm. We, by proxy, have now funded the war against Israel. 
same thing with Afghanistan with all the things that we left there. I mean, they became an arms dealer and they sold all of our stuff to various countries that don't like us. And lo and behold, send our men over there and they're looking at their own weaponry. So it's not good. We need better leadership. And we need God's intervention a lot. If anything's going to change, and he can, he holds the world in his hands. Yeah, I think if we're going to send money to Israel, I think reallocating funds that are already out there is yes. the best way to do it. Not not drumming, trying to drum up new no. uh, debt. Because <laughs> how many shutdowns we have? Oh, we had shutdowns from the Middle East recently. I really like, yeah, I like Mike Johnson a lot. I think he's going to be so good. He went there and prayed the very first thing, you yep. know, and he was unapologetically Christian. And he said he was unapologetically, you know, had a biblical worldview. If you heard his speech, I don't know if you heard his speech when yeah, he was great speaker. Great minutes, but yes, it was it was excellent, and I'm really I'm really hopeful for him because he will be a good leader. He's Third in line, but for the presidency, by the way, like if there's something, you know, right, right. <laughs> Back of my brain. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. They're getting ready to impeach Biden, so we'll see what happens yeah. after that. Well, no, I'm sorry. They're getting ready to charge him. They're not ready to impeach him yet. Anyway, they're they're working on it. The funny part about Biden is that every time somebody uh, wants something from somebody like Kamala, I'm black to serve you could like her. Now Biden is saying that he's a Jewish, a man that was born in Pennsylvania. Okay, he's quite Jewish. He, I mean, he said he was born in Ju- in, in Jerusalem. That's a lie. He was born in Pennsylvania. Not in, not in um, Israel. Israel. Not in Israel. He's lying. That's he may be part Jewish, but uh, I, I think <laughs> I have heard that about him. But he certainly doesn't act like it. He was raised Catholic. Oh, gee, Hitler was part Jewish. <laughs> right, that could be a lot of people, right? Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't mean that they're Jewish, they're real true Jewish. No, not with the culture and traditions and everything that goes with it, or the religion. Or no, there's the blood relation and there's the, the, the culture and all that. You're not a Jew. You might as well forget about it. Don't mm-hmm. even say you're a Jew. Yeah, Genet- I mean, genetically speaking, I'm 4 percent Ashkenazi Jewish, but I'm not actually Jewish. I don't, <laughs> right. I don't have any Jewish traditions. I don't have right. a, a, man- a minority bearing uh, Hanukkah, I don't know, for some reason. He won't fast for seven days. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're not Jewish? Uh, very. Oh, dear. Very. Oh, that's crazy. Thanks, Lou. <laughs> it's very observant oh, of my waistline. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll talk yeah. about that another time because it does yeah. speak of fasting in the Bible. But it does. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other message. <laughs> Speaking of whole other messages, because this is going to take us away from those those types of subjects, but uh, uh, it's coming from just the news. Eventbrite is in hot water with conservatives after removing Riley Gaines' uh, event on uh, women in sports. Uh, the event and ticketing company uh, could face a conservative boycott, the, the likes of uh, which dethroned Bud Light this year, as Virginia's Governor Youngkin tells his operations to stop using the service. Eventbrite's co-founder and chairman, Kevin Hartz, ended a message to those raising the issue by saying, please go F yourself. 
so well, this is that professional, right? Okay. Uh, the online ticketing event uh, management company Eventbrite notified prominent women's sports personality Riley Gaines that her event advocating women uh, uh, advocating against allowing transgender individuals in women's sports would not be permitted on their website for violating its community guidelines, while at the same time maintaining other event pages that may violate the rules. Uh, the incident has put the company in hot water with conservatives, including the Republican governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, who directed his office and political committee to cease using Eventbrite uh, to advertise events. Uh, last week, Gaines posted a communication on X, formerly Twitter, that she received from Eventbrite, notifying her that her event, quote, protecting women's sports with Riley Gaines, that was the name of the event, uh, would be removed from its website for violating community guidelines in terms of service. Uh, specifically, we do not allow or, or uh, content or events that uh, throw on or off platform activity, discriminate against, harass, disparage, threaten, incite violence against, or otherwise target individuals or groups based on their actual perceived race, ethnicity, religion, national origin, immigration status, gender identity, sexual orientation, gender status, age or disability, the notification read, as a result, your event has been unpublished. Eventbrite declared. In the same post, Gaines uh, called for a boycott of uh, the company over their removal of her event. She, she said, I love all the people in, in my comments saying that they've deleted their Eventbrite account. Gaines wrote, give them the Bud Light treatment. Um, now, given that this uh, is leaning towards uh, women in particular, I would like to defer to what the ladies think about what's happening here with Riley Gaines, the young swimmer who does prefer not to have transgender uh, individuals swimming next to her. I have such strong thoughts and opinions and beliefs about the transgender, all of the LGBTQIA plus whatever. And It's just so hard. It's like, where do I even go with it? The simple thing is, yes, I agree with her for sure. That your transgender means you're still male, which means that physically, God made male more physically capable because the male was the one that was supposed to work the ground and provide for the family. That's when you're older. <laughs> But when you're younger, the woman, they're always stronger than the man. But once puberty happens, <laughs> men are bigger, stronger, faster, generally speaking. <laughs> and, and, you know, and not to say that women can't do those things, because women can, for can, sure. They can do a lot of things, yes. But God created man to be physically more capable for that type of thing. Right. That... It's just how it was, how they were made. So to pit them against a woman, it's going to make it. I mean, that's why you don't have men and women compete against each other to begin with, because there is that much of a difference. That's you know? why they separated women's sports and made women's sports actually a, a right. separate thing. Yeah, because like I said, there are some women. Sure, there are some women I'm sure who could compete with those men, but it's a very, very small. Well, Riley would have been one of those that could, could compete on the low, the lowest rungs of the men's, but still, 
even because she, she did have the better times than some of the lower rungs of the men. Yeah. But um, Leah Thomas, uh, formerly William Thomas, uh, uh, we, we, may, we might get kicked off of YouTube just for saying that because I, I now dead named him. Um, but he, I must say he, um, was swimming next to Riley Gaines. And he went from being uh, 238th in men's, 238th, mind you. Now, he, now he's competitive at that level, good enough to be 238th in the men's. Goes over to the women's as a transgender individual. Didn't really change anything other than taking some hormones for a while. Oops. And now he's number one. Yeah. That's a big jump. I don't think that that's fair. It's yeah. not. And it's, it's not not what God intended. My other the, my other side of that is, is where I get into the, the weeds, I guess, going down these rabbit holes. Why did he feel like he needed to do that? Like, I saw something the other day. I have transgender friends on my like, Facebook. Like, I, I know two personally. One I went to school with for a long time. I played sports with her. Like, I worked with this other one, like, for a couple of years. Like, I know them personally. And I, I just don't understand. And But one of them posted this, and it... <laughs> It said, why do people question why transgenders think the way they do? And it goes on this long post about when these parents were, or grandparents or whoever were buying gifts for their kids and uh, at some kind of like toy shop or grocery store, anywhere really, everything's so gendered. It's like, oh, you can't, you can't put a blue bow on that, it's for a girl. You can't <laughs> buy play food, it's for a boy. Like, and, and their thought was this, and you wonder why we think we need to be transgender. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That is wrong thinking. That doesn't make what you're thinking right. <laughs> no, it, it, both, both things are wrong things. Both things are wrong. So your wrongs don't make it right. We actually, uh, we talked about that when uh, Ms. Crystal Rosati was on. We were talking about the, the idea that she actually um, didn't really care. She, she liked the color blue more than she liked the color pink. That she did actually have that day, ironically, a pink and uh, pink container with her, but uh, it you know, <laughs> that was like the one pink thing she owns, right? So, like, um, uh, but colors the only reason they were gendered, the only reason these toys and all, all the things that we see in the marketplace are gendered, um, the things that we consume, uh, goes back to a, a man named Edward Bernays. Do you know this name? I feel like I've heard it, but I think I've heard the story, but. Yeah, so he's the he's the he's the father of advertisement. So um, the the American breakfast used to be leftovers from the night before. For most because most most Americans were farmers for a very long time until the Industrial Revolution, right? So, but then once they started having to go to the factories and, and you know women were going into the factories and men were going off to war and both both sides were working. Well, they said, well, you know, women are now earning a paycheck. We need to mark. We need to do something to sell them something too. Um, and then actually, during um, a little thing called suffrage, um, they had a lot of you know, young ladies that would uh, would bob their haircuts and they, you know, they they, they dressed differently. Maybe even wore their bras on the outside of their clothes or just take them off completely. Um, but the, something that Edward Bernays saw uh, a chance to sell was cigarettes, in particular. 
Um, I'll get to that in just a second. The American, we'll go back to American Breakfast before we do that. American Breakfast, uh, he's, he's the reason it's eggs, bacon, and salsa. Like that before he, before he decided it was breakfast, it was never marketed that way. It was just whatever you had the night before. Uh, it was light, um, usually, you know, eggs, bacon, that's, that's a light breakfast. It's a light meal. You start your day off with and you go out and, and you do your work in the field, whatever you're doing. Um, back to the cigarettes. Okay, I know I'm hopping around a little bit, but with the cigarettes, they handed them to the women that were in the high up in the suffrage movement. They, they photographed them smoking their cigarettes. Uh, guess what we called them? Freedom torches. Mm-hmm. Gave them the freedom from the oppression of men. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It wasn't about their freedom. It wasn't about their oppression. Which is the lie that keeps continually being sold to these young people that they are oppressed, that they're a victim, that they have something going on with them, there's something wrong with them, that something should be done because it's because it's a boy, because it's a girl. All that's pushed on them. And so they get confused. And it all goes back to Edward Bernays and him twisting what should have, should have been purely seller to buyer. All things, all any, any product ever should have been is seller to buyer, but, but modern marketing now is very gendered. You watch a commercial and, well, it's, it's usually either geared toward men or geared toward women, or now, and you can definitely all kinds of mixed up. Yeah, they're intentionally who their who their target audience is. Yeah. Intentionally confusing people. It's kind of funny that yeah. they choose gender by colors: pink is girl, blue is boy. I remember one time when I wore a pink shirt and went outside. Forget about it. I've been called girl. Name C, look at that, and man, I didn't know that a pink shirt would make me get these people to not like me. <laughs> From there on, I started hating pink. I never wore a pink shirt again. Yeah, I'm sorry, though. Yeah, that's a societal thing that, that puts that pressure on there. That, that does not help. You know, that is, and they're using that as their reason. And, and they're pinning, pinning. <laughs> This, this person is okay to, to swim Nick that's how they're out there saying, saying it's okay for this biological male uh, who's definitely bigger stronger faster uh, even at 238th in the men's he's still bigger stronger faster than even with all the hormones he's went through and his bone structure is definitely weaker because of it because that's what happens when you put female hormones in the men it, it completely kills the, the male bone structure um, but still bigger faster stronger and he's going to be number one and for her, them to cancel her event, and all she's just trying to do is raise awareness uh, for women, to bring up women in a good, positive light, and say, "Hey, we want to women want to compete with other women and not men." I think that's fair. Yeah, and there's the, the rest of that too: the locker rooms and the bathrooms and everything. All of that is just, you know, that's a whole other issue. Oh, with, yeah. You know, you want to have privacy, and that you. It's a natural thing, I so you don't want to be, you know, dressing or undressing against in, in front of the opposite sex. 
I mean, it's just, it's not decent to use an old word. (laughs) I know when I was in school, I I didn't even want to share the bathroom with the other boys. I I wanted my own bathroom. It's bad enough. (laughs) I wanted privacy. I wanted to be, because it's it's a private thing. You're... You're you're doing uh, your business, and it should be you know <laughs> you should be by yourself doing that. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that's just, yes. I mean it's also it's a danger because these guys are taking advantage of it mm-hmm. and and using it in all kinds of perverted ways. You know, already, yeah. a girl at school got raped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, there was a story yeah, earlier, them. A story earlier this year it. where a, a boy uh, he wasn't transgender, but he wore a dress. He used a girl's bathroom. Uh, went in and uh, raped it. Confirmed that he actually he actually did rape this girl. Hmm. Uh, I think they're early early high school. I think middle school. One of the one of the two. Hmm. Either way, it's awful. Yes, the father doesn't find out from the school. He finds out from someone else and then goes down to the school to protest. When he finds out, they arrest the father. Father, yeah, that was a shame. And protected the. Boy in the dress. Mm-hmm. And put him back in class. And guess what happened? He did it again. He did it again. <clears throat> it's not going to stop. We, we need to just, we need to stand firm for what's right. We have to. And what's true. And like Sarah was saying, there are some things that are true. And you just can't change it. No matter what, you know, no matter what you want to to think. You know, and the really important thing for me, and I think, and it should be important to everybody, is that as much as we want it to, government isn't going to fix it. It's got to no. start at the family level. It all goes back to Agreed. parents teaching their kids, training them up when they're young, preparing them for the world. Knowing that even children are known by their doings, what's good and what's right. Mm-hmm. And you, that's what it all comes down to. If you can get that done, if you can get your family and then your family and friends, your community, your village that's helping you, and then let that spread, and that, that's how things change, how it gets done. It doesn't come from the top level, it's got to start at the bottom level. Yeah. Be the change you want to see. Exactly. Yeah, I don't remember where that quote. Because I know that it's credited to somebody, but I don't want to miscredit. <laughs> so, but, but I know that it's a I know it's a famous quote, and, and it has it's very meaningful. Be a, be a change you want to see. Uh, and believe it or not, there are you are, will not be the only one. You might feel like you're the only one, but I'm telling you right now, you are not the only one. I I'd say that is a sickness. That is the truth. They got to be sick in the mind, or something happened to them to make me sick in the mind. Because God didn't make that. God didn't make a man to go with a man and a woman to a man. Mm-hmm. He didn't say a man could have sex with a man. And he said only a man and a woman to produce. How are you going to produce with another man, you know? Or the two devil. women, how are they going to produce with a, with a kid? The devil is the author of confusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's very good. Very good way of looking at that. You know, we talk about um, seeking the truth, right? Well, in a uh, in a mayoral election, uh, a judge overturned the evidence of 
uh, mail ballot fraud. So they actually overturned an election. Um, so coming from the Federalists, this is my uh, Your secret, secret article. article. Yes, <laughs> my fourth secret article that no one actually got. So uh, judge overturns Bridgeport mayoral election due to evidence of mail ballot fraud. Uh, in Connecticut, Superior Court Judge William F. Clark has ordered that the results of the recent mayoral election, prim primary election in Bridgeport, the state's largest city, be overturned and a new election held. Mm -hmm. So it could be the start of something, right? Could be the start of something real big right here. This is a precedent. Mm -hmm. So remember this. Remember this episode. Remember this article. I'm definitely saving it on, on, on all my devices. And I, if I'm going to print it out, actually, so I have a hard copy because I, I want to, to remember this. Good thinking. Clark's decision affirmed that there was merit to accusations that Bridgeport's incumbent mayor, Joe Gannon, won his election as a result of significant fraud involving absentee ballots. Well, the volume of evidence in this case, including the many hundreds of hours of video surveillance disclosed and accepted into evidence, is perhaps unprecedented in the state of Connecticut in an election uh, case, observes Clark. After a primary election in September, challenger John Gomes, while well, former chief administrator officer in the Bridgeport city government, was leading uh, Gannon amongst, uh, among votes that were cast in person. Gannon then predicted that the absentee ballots would break his way. Uh, and how would he know that? And he eventually won the absentee votes, 1,564 to 861, securing a victory in the primary by just 251 votes. After the election, Gomes released a video uh, of what appears to be a city employee, Wanda Gier Pat Pataki, uh, who is affiliated with Gannon's campaign, stuffing ballot boxes on August 30th, just over two weeks before September's primary election. Connecticut's State Elections Enforcement Commission recommended criminal charges. I'm not going to be able to say her name again <laughs> for the young lady that uh, stuffed the ballot boxes and two other people connected to Gannon's campaign related to mishandling of absentee ballots in Bridgeport's 2019 mayor election. Gannon also won the election by just around 300 votes after the absentee ballots were counted. Uh, according to Clark's decision, the young lady uh, asserted her privilege against self-incrimination 71 times when she was asked questions relating to her work for Gannon, whether she appeared on the video and whether she took custody of absentee ballots and uh, that did not belong to her in September's election. She is, uh, she is presently on leave from her job as a city employee while she's being investigated by the city. I really hope so. <laughs> right? <clears throat> um, I, I chose this and I was hoping that we'd have time. I pray, I pray that we'd have time and, and I think God provided that time tonight. But for, for, for reason, uh, good reason. Like I said, this is precedent. Remember this case. This is the case that when they try, when they try, because they will, and we can talk about it now on YouTube uh, about election fraud and election uh, potential election uh, interference. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> we'll bring for it there. What's the word? Okay. Yes, uh, because they might try it again. Oh, they will try it again. Uh, and they're they might they might they might just use. Um, FDR to, to kind of subsidize out, out Trump votes, right? 
because they know that Trump's going to probably win by, by a landslide. They know it. He's way too popular. He's, he's way ahead of all the GOP candidates by at least 60 points, if not more. Yeah, the higher is exactly right. Louis, Louis said it perfectly. The more they try to take him out, the higher his numbers go up. Because we, we, we love a good outlaw story, really. I mean, he's not actually an outlaw, but he, you know, we love, Americans love, uh, you know, to champion the underdog. And right now, Trump is big time the underdog because he's, he's had, got all the slings and arrows coming at him from every direction. And they're trying to uh, take him out and all these, all these uh, fake indictments and the, and the boxes hoax and the uh, Russia, Russia, Russia and the, and the phone calls, uh, whether they be to Russia or to uh, the, the Georgia uh, governor. They, these are all things that they're trying to, to take him out with. And, they're, and, and it's... It, it's going to compile on top of what they're probably going to do. They're probably going to try to shut us down again. When, when election time comes around next next year, probably not this year, we're, we're just days away now. But when election time comes around next year, they're probably going to try to figure out a way to bring back some kind of version of the vid and actually, lock everything down. And Actually, what they're doing is they're just not reversing those laws. We still have all the laws from COVID now, and mail-in ballot is still legal in a lot of states and early voting and all of those things that are very easy to corrupt. So unless we change them back, unless we become actively involved and say we want it back the way it was, they're just going to leave it. And being the way that we are, easily distracted, you know, that's why we have to be vigilant on this. We have, and we have to be involved in this. I've learned more about elections in the past four years than I ever thought I ever wanted to know. I mean, and how they're run. And so, and it's important that we are involved and not leave it to someone else. That's right. It, it, it was almost good that it happened the way it did, honestly. <laughs> I know that, yes, it stinks to have Biden in office. We all agree. Um, but uh, the, 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 on the, the, the positive look at that is now we're, we're looking at all the little things that count, right? Before we didn't look at that. Because mm-hmm. we didn't even think about it. Like, when Trump won, they said, oh, he couldn't have won. He couldn't have won. All the Democrats say, well, he couldn't have won. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't. And they wouldn't announce you it know? until the last minute either. <laughs> right? Maybe he didn't. Maybe, maybe that, you know, maybe even back then, maybe maybe there were there were tampering. We don't know. But we need to find that out too. But we need to, you know, and, and I'm big time, you know, <laughs> support Trump. Right. But I want to know. I want to know all, all of that. A lot of this stuff has been brought to light because of the things that happened with Trump. It, he's been a vehicle for bringing a lot of people out, out, out to say, "What is really going on? What is the government up to?" You know, they're not. They're 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 supposed to be there to protect your rights. That's it. Believe it or not, that's all. That's the only function of government: protect your rights, not fix your problems. Your problems are yours. And your community can help you out with that. We just had a message about it. Don't depend on the government. They're not there for that. They're there to protect your rights. That's it. You're going you know to what I'm rights. afraid of? Mm-hmm. They might do to Trump what they did to Lincoln and Kennedy. Yeah, I hope not. I know, I, well, I mean, even during that, I've talked about it. I think he's being supernaturally protected, but that's me. I, I really hope so. I, I pray. 
pray that he gets protected. I think a lot of people are praying. Because there are, are six re six recorded attempts on his life as a candidate uh, at, at, in 20, for 20, 2015 to 2016 when he won. Six attempts, recorded attempts on his life. And Just nobody, in that short time. And nobody even talks about it. And I don't know how many. Because uh, because the, the the records I can't get to the records, but there were, I don't know how many attempts were probably on his life just during his presidency, and then now, because you know it's every angle, right? I mean Chuck Schumer said the quiet part out loud when he was on CNN recently. He said, "We've got a, a million ways from Sunday to come after you." That's what he said. And yeah. I would take him at his word, because he knows he knows how deep that corruption really goes. He's part of it. Oh, yeah. All, all these stuff. We mean Mitch McConnell. That's why he freezes up now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He's, he's broken. He's, Have you seen this, Sarah? He's like a broken robot. It's really <laughs> kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the man's got some kind of uh, mental breakdown going on, but uh, he's, he's very, very, very elderly. And, and he's uh, been there he's way been too on, long yeah. with many of the people there. Quite like Diane Feinstein, who had to die to get out of the... Uh, yeah, government. And I think it's probably what's going to happen with Mitch, too. Uh, I hope not. But he, he'll go to the podium, he'll start talking, and then he stops, and he just stares off his face. Like, he thought Biden was bad, but he, he just freezes. It's like it's like he's been shot with a ray gun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I can't say that I feel remorse for that, because it's just, there's so much evil in that heart. Uh, you know, if, if God, I mean, God can, only God can forgive it. But watching that, I'm just like, you, you, you are part of the problem. You're not, you're, you're not here to control us. You're not here to give us services. We don't need that from you. You're here to protect our rights. That's it. Uh, where are we at on, on time? Now? Uh, an hour 41. Okay. Yeah. So we even went into OT. Yay. <laughs> All of time. Right, Louie? <laughs> Alan hates yeah. olives. Yeah, all right. of time. <laughs> Alan hates olives, so we gotta go into all of time. <laughs> so uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping things up. We got uh, to get a closing prayer just before I do some outros. So Sarah, would you mind leading us into a closing prayer? Sure. Lord, thank you for this time uh, to spend looking at your word, um, looking what you have to say about our children. Um, and those who are our children that we help to raise and send out. I pray that we are being diligent and using your wisdom to raise them in the best way possible. I pray for our nation as it is struggling for sure. Um, God, we need you, definitely. And I pray that us as a people will seek you, and then that can change the things that are higher up. Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 That was our good friend, Sarah Metcalf Allen. That's me. Her husband is the perfect producer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that means even, you know, you, you don't know. And you got to love her now. You got to love her now, right? Yeah, pretty lovable. Yes, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Uh, and she's very good friends with my wife. So then, you, you know, double. Double down, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> if Laura likes somebody, they got to be pretty great. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and next to her is the softer side of faith over politics, Yvonne Metcalf. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us once again. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, uh, great insights this week. It was very go. interesting conversation, yeah. I think. It's always a good time when we get a chance to, I've said this before, but get a chance to actually bring in more than one lady at a time because uh, this show does tend to be a boys club. And I would love to do uh, a couple episodes where I get to sit and, and Ryan seat and just let the ladies run it for a couple episodes. I would love to do that. So, uh, Sarah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> uh, and then across from Yvonne is our good friend, the host of Rodriguez Rants, Louis Rodriguez. Where's the cheers? Oh, having me. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting better. He did it. He got, he got it. He got it. Yeah, you're right. So we'll try to get another episode of that out this week. Be sure to be looking out for that. I've been your host, Joshua Cummins, reminding you to stay in trouble. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>